Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance, Rob Gronkowski on the Goodyear Hotline today. That should be fun. Plus, we'll play LeBron versus Tom versus Time, which I think will be fascinating. Plus, we have the timing on Aaron, a fun story about a legend you barely know, and a question for you all on the way. Let's do it. Here we go! Only one place to start. For the first time since the Yankees and everyone else found out the Astros were guilty of cheating, they're back in the Bronx. Here comes Altuve. They were extremely hard on you know Altuve you know tonight. It was definitely an energetic crowd, and they expressed themselves. They're not saying Altuve. <laughs> they're booing him. They did indeed express themselves. The call last night, the telecast on ESPN, our one place to start, brought to you by 1-800-Flowers, is with sports justice. I'm a big believer in sports justice. I'm a big believer as such in what happened in the Bronx, New York last night. So my dad used to say all the time, some crimes, Michael, are punishable by a punch in the nose. My dad was a lawyer, by the way, (laughs) which is just a fascinating little corollary to that belief. But this is one in which justice, in my opinion, was handed down perfectly. The Astros cheated at baseball. The Yankee fans wore out a lung booing them last night and went no further than that. Perfect. As I said yesterday, if you throw anything on the field, if you do anything that puts the safety of any person on that field in jeopardy, that's unjust. You're just a jerk. You've taken this much too far because you are now moving this beyond what it was meant to be. The crime committed by the Astros was a baseball crime. We're all playing the game. The fans have their role to play in it as well. The Astros didn't hurt anyone. They cheated at baseball. The response was just, and I loved it. And I loved what Dusty said afterwards. He said, quote, at least there wasn't any violence. They can say whatever they want. And that is exactly right. That is exactly right. The fans were there to let their voices be heard. And boy, they were. And to me, that was exactly the way that should have played out. Meantime, Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. You know, we invented the term unbooable on my previous show on Mike and Mike. We did that on one legendary day. And then, of course, immediately afterwards, everyone else started doing it. That was sort of the way things went on Mike and Mike, but that's okay. But we created the idea that there are certain unbooable players and people. And I will stand by this firmly. I'll start with Bill Belichick in New England right now. If you're a fan in New England and you boo Bill Belichick, I don't care if he goes 0-17 the next three years in a row. (laughs) If you boo Bill Belichick, they should take your tickets away. That's just the end, the beginning and the end of, of the question or the discussion. I'd say the same thing of Brady. Brady comes back in a Tampa uniform. If you boo him as a Patriot fan, they should take your tickets away. Same with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, assuming he's about to no longer be Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers is a Bronco or a Raider or wherever else that he's he might wind up, if he goes back there and you boo him, they should take your tickets away. And you know what? They won't. So we had, we had the unbooable list. Today I'm fascinated by the idea of the must-boo. There are certain people you must boo. And I'm going to ask the hashtag crew early today. Who is someone in sports you must boo and why? Let the record show... Booing to me is a respectful act. 
It is within the traditions of sport. It is following the rules. You guys play. I spectate. You guys give your all. I let you know how I feel about it. And I do so without interfering in your life in any way beyond vocalizing my feelings. And I will, I will tell you that in an honest moment, I don't think any player is the least bit upset about being booed. I think most of them consider it the sign of respect that it is meant to be. So I'll go first. In my lifetime, and I don't really feel that way anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because of my age. Maybe it's because of what I do for a living. And I have met so many of these people. But I go back to my childhood. And, in the, and I use this word advisedly because there is a big difference between hating someone and the way we use hate in sports. I want to make that clear. I hated the Boston Celtics as a kid so much that it is difficult for me to put into words. I was a Knicks fan growing up in New York. Bird, McHale, Parrish, DJ, Ainge. Oh, did I hate them in a sports way. Again, I wished them no harm them. And to this day, I've met most of them and found them to be very pleasant. But I do not regret the booze, not for one second. So that is where we begin today. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. In your life, who did you boo the hardest? Who was the must-boo for you as a fan? We all have that. To some degree, I've had it with the Patriots as my life has gone on. And it's kind of funny when you think about it. Because there's no team I rooted against in my adult life more than I've rooted against the Patriots the last 20 years when you consider the history of them and my favorite team. And yet there they were in the Super Bowl last year, and I'm rooting for Brady and Gronk. I, can't, I still can't believe it. I was very honest with you around Super Bowl time. It, it, confused, it confounded me, myself, that I was rooting for Brady and Gronk. So you realize the circumstances are the circumstances. But I will start with hashtag Hembo, who is seated right next to me. You are my VP of gambling, of baseball, and of many other things. In your entire life as a sports fan... Who have you booed the hardest? I booed Chipper Jones the hardest. I grew up as a Phillies fan, and he killed the Phillies. Seemingly, every time I went to a Phillies game, he hit a home run. And, fun, and, and last year when Chipper Jones, he worked for ESPN, and he came on Get Up a couple times, and I was uh, tasked with producing him. I remember when I called him the first time, feeling obligated to apologize. I said, Chipper, I have cussed your name many times in person. I want to apologize for that, but I do need to collect this information from you. I admitted to it. <laughs> and what did he say when you apologized? He chuckled. I mean, he's obviously very used to that. And you know, obviously the, the, the Mets fans, I think, booed him even more. Right. So much so that he named his child he Shea. He named his child Shea. <laughs> which, which, that, that's always been the booing of, of Chipper Jones that I've related mm-hmm. to. Uh, I did a similar thing, have done similar things with all of the coaches in the Big Ten who were there when I was at Northwestern. So when I was at Northwestern, you could go in those days to basketball games if you were a student without a ticket. You could just walk in with your ID, and you could sit directly. Our student section was directly behind the visitor's bench. <laughs> and the things I yelled at Bob Knight, <laughs> Lou Henson, Clem Haskins, Gary Williams, Judd Heathcote, uh, who am I forgetting, Gene Cady, all of whom are fine people. I've gotten to know many of them over the years. I have apologized to all of them for the things I yelled <laughs> at them from the seat. Let me go then to hashtag Bubba, who um, is a passionate fan of the Cowboys, of the Mets, of Duke. Who is your most booable player or team? doesn't have to be a player. It could be a team. It could be a coach. Who brings out the boos in Bubba? I think I'm going to have to go actually the same route as uh, Hembo there because back in the day, Mets, Braves, I think uh, Chipper Jones was always the main person. And then you look back at uh, John Rocker, someone like him, that whole thing. I mean, the Mets-Braves rivalry, 
back in the 90s was pretty intense. And obviously, as he mentioned, with naming his his uh, daughter Shay. Um, and, and secondly, I would also say uh, Chase Utley became a heavy, heavily booed person when he uh, injured uh, Ruben Tejada in the Mets playoff game. So I'd say Chase Utley is is up there. But uh, Chipper Jones is probably my number one. Let me look at Devin over there. Devin, I, I know you root for the Giants. I don't know your other teams. Who's your most booable player? So I'm going to stick with the, the Giants route, T.O. And it's close between him and T.O., and uh, Don McNabb and T.O. So when they're on the same team, man, that was bad. Okay, Terrell Owens. I, I, I mean, the, the boos for him that's in certain places, that's a very good one. He got booed. See, the difference with him is T.O. got booed everywhere. <laughs> Literally everywhere he went. He was, he was uh, eminently booable. Uh, finally, we go to hashtag Nuno, the producer of this program. Nuno? I, Nuno tends to boo everything. Like, <laughs> no, so no, see, because I can respect guys. Uh, I still, to this day, hate Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Yep. Okay, fair enough. As a Nick fan. Yes, uh, fair enough. Okay. Uh, he boos Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller at the Garden. See, that's the thing about Reggie, having gotten to know him a little bit over the course of time. And he was the thorn in the side of the two teams I've been closest to, mm-hmm. the Knicks, of course, and then the Bulls teams that I covered. Um, he loved it. Like some people, there are some athletes who just thrive on it. Reggie Miller right. loved the booing. He loved to be the villain. That, and that, I think he, he fed on that. I think it made him better. Do you think some of the great athletes in the, uh, around sports today sort of feel the same way, or is that softened over time? I think some of them it works positively, and some of them it works negatively. Hmm. Like, I think, and there were some players. I do not think that it ever suited LeBron to be the villain. Hmm. I think LeBron, when he left Cleveland and went to Miami and became the villain, I think that actually did not. I think that contributed to how badly he played in the finals hmm. in 2011 against Dallas. Some people just aren't cut out for that. It's not a... a it's not a value judgment. It's not positive or negative. It's just the way it is. Meanwhile, we had all these other things planned. And then Buster Olney said something slightly related to this on TV with us this morning. And I said, cancel everything else we were doing. Put Buster on the radio. I have one huge question for him. And if you are a baseball fan of any kind, you will want to hear the answer. And it is coming up next after this word from 1-800-Flowers.com. Guys, let's get ready here, okay? Mother's Day is upon us, and we have partnered with 1-800-Flowers to give you, our listeners, a chance to win great prizes. Here's how it works. Through 3 o'clock Eastern time this Friday, you can enter to win one of four $250 1-800-Flowers gift cards and one grand prize of 1000 bucks. It's simple. All you have to do is follow at ESPN Radio on Twitter. Follow that handle, and you will see a tweet there that is pinned to the top of the page that says hashtag Greeny Mother's Day Sweepstakes. Just retweet that. Couldn't be easier. Just retweet that, and you're entered. Complete rules at ESPNRadio.com. Back in a flash. Greeny with you. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. 
Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster only will join me live on the Goodyear Hotline in 30 seconds. He said something on television this morning that just kind of jumped off the page at me, and I looked over at Hembo, and I said, text Buster immediately <laughs> and tell him we need him on the radio today. Again, we'll do that in 30 seconds after this word from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Here comes Altuve. Nothing surprised me. You know, at least there wasn't any violence. I mean, you know, they can, they can say whatever they want. They were... Extremely hard on, you know, Altuve, you know, tonight, the fans were. All right, so we're talking about the booing, and I had Robert Stanberry, only the third, live on TV with me this morning on Get Up, and we were talking about Altuve getting booed, and Buster, I I just want to sort of put, I'll let you say it, because you were the one who said it, when you were talking about how this is a glimpse into the lot in life that the Astros star players are going to have for the remainder of their careers. Go ahead. Tell everybody how you put that when you were with us this morning on TV. That uh, all of these guys, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, could have a great accomplishments going forward. And Jose Altuve at this point, I think, potentially is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. If he gets voted into the Hall of Fame and he makes his speech in Cooperstown, he will get booed. He will that's get, the future that's in front of these guys. He will get booed at the Hall of Fame. So, in my opinion, this is Breaking Moves. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. You know, I looked right at Hemba when you said that, and I said, so if they kept all of the steroid guys out of the Hall of Fame because steroids are cheating, then are they putting the Astros guys into the Hall of Fame who have essentially been convicted of cheating. I mean, more directly than almost any of the steroid guys that we talk about in the sport. Buster, what is the answer to that question? Well, and let's be clear about this. There are steroid guys who are in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Of course. Uh, It's just that Bonds and Clemens, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, are held to a different standard because they're the best players of the generation. But your point is well taken that a lot of the voters uh, have decided that uh, they're going to keep those guys out. And I do think that if an Altuve, if a Bregman, if a Carlos Correa – you know, George Springer's name were to pop up on the ballot in the future, that there would be some voters who would not vote for them. Um, you know, the best comp, Hembo said it on the podcast that I do this morning, would be Roberto Alomar, who I covered him when he went through that spitting incident when he was with the Baltimore Orioles. And the rest of his career, every time his name was announced at a baseball park, he was booed. And when he was uh, on the ballot for the first time for the Hall of Fame, Maybe the greatest second baseman, one of them of all time, did not get in on that first ballot because of the spinning incident. And I do think there would be demerits, uh, you know, they'd be taken away from these Astros players. Fair, but let's be clear. What Roberto Alomar did was highly distasteful and, and extremely unappealing, but it wasn't cheating. And, you know, Buster, it isn't just Bonds and Clemens. I mean, you and I both know, we all, everyone knows, 
Mark McGuire would be in the Hall of Fame today. Sammy Sosa would be in the Hall of Fame today. Rafael Palmeiro would be in the Hall of Fame today. All of these guys would, many other, well, at least those three other players, and there are probably more I'm not thinking of yet, would be in the Hall of Fame today if it had not been for their connection, direct or otherwise, to steroids, which again equals cheating. And and that's why I find this fascinating. I'm, I'm struggling with the logical consistency. And I'm, I'm one who have said many times, I would put all those guys in the Hall of Fame. If I had a vote, I'd vote for all of them. So just to be clear, but I'm struggling with the logical consistency of not voting for Mark McGuire, but voting for Jose Altuve. Do you follow what I'm saying? I totally follow. Look, that's it's part of the reason why six years ago I stopped voting for the Hall of Fame because I feel like a lot of it requires a logic pretzel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you're going all over the place. And so, you know, in the end, in the last year that I voted, where I landed on it was, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm, not, I'm probably not the right person as a writer to judge whether or not, a, a, you know, a, a steroid user should be in. I'm going to defer to Major League Baseball to the Hall of Fame. And as far as they're concerned, you know, Major League Baseball would put Jose Altuve on the ballot. Uh, he is a member in good standing. He didn't even serve a suspension for what the, the Astros found to have done. None of the Astros players did. And so if I were a voter, I would say, you know what? If he's good enough for a Major League Baseball, he's good enough for the Hall of Fame. And Pete Rose, on the other hand, is not, then I'm not going to be the morality police and not vote for him because of that. I think that's fair. And again, all those circumstances are different. Rose, we all know what his case is or what, what it was that he's involved in. It's I'm Cheating is not the right word. I mean, gambling involves something that is different from cheating. Um, but they're both... What they both do is compromise the integrity of the sport, and that is what they must protect at all costs. I'm looking over at Hembo. You keep nodding your head at me. I can't read what that means. What are you thinking here? I'm thinking, Buster, that there's one other person whose name you did not mention that I think has to be a part of this conversation, and that person is Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander is someone who we think is going to go on the Hall of Fame someday on the first ballot, was on the 2017 Astros, has feigned more self-righteousness than perhaps any other player who has spoken publicly about this, and he seems to have sort of gotten off scot-free. What do you think? Well, uh, and he absolutely, when his name pops up, based on performance on the field, he should be unanimous selection for the Hall of Fame. My own view would be, if I voted, he would be a slam dunk. I wouldn't have to think twice about it. But I do think there are going to be writers who are going to say, I'm not going to vote for him because while he may not have uh, directly benefited in his performance on the field, in other words, he's a pitcher and the science-dealing thing didn't affect him, uh, that he didn't say anything, and he was on a team that benefited from science stealing. And yes, I think writers would uh, decide, as we've seen with the steroid voting, that they would uh, not cast a ballot for someone they consider to be a cheater. Quickly, and I'm asking you now a question that you can't answer. I grant that. But you know all these guys way better than I do. Will this ever change? Like, like will Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens... Alex Rodriguez, I mean, Alex Rodriguez is a shortstop who hit 700, home, what did he hit, 698 home runs? Is his total. 696, you know, will that ever change? Will those guys die without getting into the Hall of Fame? Uh, no, uh, I think they will eventually get into the Hall of Fame as the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame members change, uh, as guys who were their peers uh, are in the Hall of Fame. I think that perspective is going to change. And I think I don't think Bonds and Clemens are getting in with a vote next year, but I do think eventually they'll be put in by some sort of a special committee. All right. Robert Stanberry, only the third, raised on a Vermont dairy farm, and no one better to talk baseball. <laughs> Thank you, Buster.
See you, Granny. All right, good stuff. There. I, I found that, again, that was not something we had planned before we started today. And then as soon as he said that, it just jumped into my head. Like, again, I am one who would put the steroid guys in the Hall of Fame. Now, many of you, maybe not, I'd love to think many of you read my first book, which was called Why My Wife Thinks I'm an Idiot. That book was published in 2006. I wrote it over the course of time that spanned the year 2000 through the year 2003. So in it, I wrote a lengthy diatribe about how I do not believe the steroid users should be in the Hall of Fame. And so some who've read that book have suggested that I am hypocritical for the things I say on the air. I will address that directly right now, which is to say, I believe the surest sign of intelligence is the open-mindedness, the willingness to change your mind. And what changed between those two was that when I wrote that, I was under the belief, under the impression, that something like 5% of players were using steroids in baseball. And in that case, I would 100% stand by my original belief. If it was a small group of players who were cheating in that way, then by no means would I be in favor of giving them the ultimate tribute you can give a player. But what I learned over the many, many years that have followed since that book was published, and you don't get to unwrite these things, is that I was totally wrong. And while I have no way of estimating, I would say, I mean, just to be as conservative as you could be, I would say 50% of the players at some point or another were using. Does that seem right? At one time or another. I think that's fair. I, I mean, let, let's, even be, let's even say conservatively it was 33%. If a third of the sport is doing it, I can't sit here and say, you have to just eliminate all of them. We can't pretend it didn't happen. We can't pretend they didn't play. So that is why I believe Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, Alex Rodriguez, whoever else you want to name that goes obviously in that group, belong in the Hall of Fame. If you want to make some notation about steroids, you can if you want to. I just don't think it's necessary. The history is the history. I mean, the Hall of Fame, the, the honor is the honor. And I believe that they, their play was worthy of that. The sport was what the sport was. That's what the sport was. For a 15 or 20-year period, you can't undo that any more than I can unwrite what I wrote in that book. So in case you're wondering if you should come across that, um, and you should read that, and you can think, well, but why is Greeny always saying on the air that he would put the guys in the Hall of Fame? That is the answer to why. I am Greeny. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. The Scoop. All right, here's the scoop. On Aaron Rodgers, Mike Tannenbaum sent a couple of notes into the show this morning that I thought were really good. One of the things he wrote was, there's a great expression that fear does the work of reason. That's easy to say in May. The Rodgers situation gets interesting around training camp, he writes, where competing interests have to be reconciled. And there are two big questions that need answers. One, is Aaron Rodgers really not going to play when the rubber meets the road? Throw out the economics. Is he willing to set out? Two, the other inflection point is if he does not show up, do the Packers put him on the reserve did not report list or do they trade him? These are the tough decisions that are going to have to be made, but they don't have to be made until August. I read that to you because I think a lot of us, including me, have been talking about this as though the first week of June is the inflection point. If the Packers are going to trade Green uh, Aaron Rodgers, there's no way they're going to do it before June 1st because it is advantageous to their salary cap situation to wait till after that. 
But what Mike T is telling us is that they can play this thing out until August. The real inflection point doesn't come until training camp begins and they can call his bluff, which is to say, we're not trading you. Go ahead and don't show up. If that happens, first and foremost, everybody loses. The world is not made a better place in any way by great players not playing. Aaron Rodgers is as great as any player I've ever seen. So to me, there's no winner if Aaron Rodgers doesn't report and they don't trade him. Nobody wins in that scenario. What winds up happening? I really don't know. I believe they trade him. I believe that what happens over the course of the next month, not even August, I believe that what happens over the course of the next month is that the Packers come to the realization they're going to have to trade him and they make the best deal they can. And as Mike Tannenbaum has continuously pointed out, it's going to have to be a deal that Aaron Rodgers likes. He's going to have to go someplace he wants to go. Because even though he doesn't have a quote-unquote no-trade clause in his contract, as Mike T. pointed out, every trade basically has a no-trade clause. Because in 100% of the deals, once a trade is made, it is contingent on a player reporting and passing a physical. So all Rodgers has to do is, let's just say for the sake of argument, they wanted to trade him somewhere he didn't want to go. Jacksonville. It doesn't matter where. All he has to do is say, I'm not reporting and I'm not taking a physical, and the trade is off. So in order for that trade to happen, Rodgers has to give it his blessing. So in that regard, they kind of become partners. The strangest of bedfellows, <laughs> Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, and Rodgers. And they've got to figure out how to make this work. You know, I saw a little something that made me interested. Was I the only one who thought that the Packers taking Eric Stokes was a weird pick at the end of the first round? For those of you who don't know, Eric Stokes was the second cornerback on the Georgia Bulldogs this past year. They're, they're, they had two corners that got drafted, Tyson Campbell and Stokes. I think everybody thought Campbell was going to be the first one taken. Stokes is a track guy, super fast, good player. I'm not in any way saying no. But I remember thinking to myself when he got picked, I, I was an unusual pick. When the Broncos, at number nine, took Pat Sertan, I thought that was an unusual pick, too. If you wanted to do that, there were all these corners. The Broncos could have traded back. The value was there for a quarterback. We know Chicago came up to 11. The Broncos didn't make that deal. You don't think Chicago would have come up to nine and given them the same deal that they were willing to give the Giants? So my point is, I start looking at those two things, and I wonder, if you're one like I am who does not believe in coincidences, is it possible that the wheels have already begun to turn on that trade? Too much momentum is already involved in this Denver thing. Too many people are acting like it is, it is, it is bound to happen that it suggests to me that some pieces of it have already started to happen. Like, Rodgers didn't just tell these guys. When Shefty reported this to the world on Thursday, this was not news to the people in Green Bay. Shefty reported three of them have taken three separate trips out to meet with him on the West Coast. So they know this. So I just have a funny little feeling that this plan is already in place. Aaron Rodgers to Denver. I think that feels like the likeliest scenario here. And I have a few more thoughts on that that I will share as we continue. Greeny brought to you by 303 Products, Premium Protectants, and Cleaners. Keep your car looking like new longer. Meanwhile, an even bigger scoop. The scoop. LeBron is hurt. LeBron James is hurt. Woj told us on Get Up this morning he's going to be out a while. The Lakers could wind up in this play-in, which is a great thing for the NBA. Not that the Lakers are in it, but the play-in tournament is great. But that's not the point. 
The point is LeBron is hurt, and I think there's reason to believe that he is not going to be right no matter how far they go in the playoffs. He won't be right until he has an entire offseason. Here was a little awoge with us this morning. That ankle does need rest right now, and he, he probably can't get it fully healthy until the offseason. He's going to have to play with discomfort in the playoffs. So we'll see as we get into next week. I don't think he's going to be able to be fully 100% for the rest of the season. You know, he's going to probably have to play with discomfort in it. Isn't that... First of all, terrible. I mean, again, in an NBA, which has been a difficult season for them, for their biggest star not to be at his best, first and foremost, that's obviously terrible. I I can't imagine anyone wants to see that. So let's just say that and put that aside. The second piece of it is, if LeBron James is not at his best, they can't win, right? I mean, let me bring in Nuno. Nuno, you're my vice president of Basketball Insight. If LeBron James is not at his best, they can't beat the Nets. They can't beat the Clippers. I don't know if that Phoenix, Utah, you look at those teams in the West. If LeBron James is 75% of his best, they can't win, right? I would definitely. I would put it this way. If he's not healthy and they fall into that 7-10, they play the Warriors in a one game, you know, elim- elimination, I think they lose that. Mm. To Steph. I mean, no one wants to see Steph in one game. Steph has had some games this year that have just been ridiculous. Um I have thoughts on him, too. Write these things down. All these thoughts keep coming into my head, but I need to stay focused on LeBron because it made me wonder about this. Again, the talk show wheels are always spinning in my brain. This came up in the pre-show meeting at Get Up Today. So LeBron is banged up, and we really have two icons in sports right now. I mean, two immortals, two Mount Rushmore players that are going at the same time, LeBron James and Tom Brady. Brady is 43 and LeBron is 36. And the question is, which one of them wins more championships the rest of the way? Now, I I brought that up in the meeting today and it got kind of misspoken on TV with us this morning because I asked it to Kendrick Perkins and he said, well, look, Brady has seven. LeBron's not going to catch him. That's not what I mean. I don't mean will will LeBron catch Brady. I mean, starting now, starting from zero, Who wins more championships the rest of the way in their careers? The legendary, iconic, all-time immortal Tom Brady or the legendary, iconic, all-time immortal LeBron James? Both of whom, by the standards of their sport, are old and still doing it at a super high level. That's the question. We'll get to the bottom of the answer right after this word from 1-800-Flowers. Listen, are you still figuring out what to get for Mother's Day? Because I've been telling you for weeks about the gorgeous bouquets from 1-800-Flowers, and trust me, they will be loved by all the moms in your life. I have been working with 1-800-Flowers for decades at this point. It's beyond years. It's decades. I use them for absolutely every occasion where flowers are appropriate, of which there is none more so than Mother's Day. Always gorgeous, always spectacular, always reliable. And right now, at 1-800-Flowers... You, my listeners, can get two dozen multicolored roses for just $29.99. It's a gorgeous bouquet of two dozen roses and an assortment of bright colors that will have all the moms in your life talking about them to everyone. Two dozen multicolored roses, $29.99, an amazing offer, but prices are going up, so you need to order right now. Here's how you do it. To order two dozen multicolored roses for just $29.99, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter the code GREENIE. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. Enter Greeny. Do it now. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, rolling along. Don't miss Gronk, Rob Gronkowski in our next hour as we are busy today. And also, don't forget, you can watch us every single day streaming on ESPN+. Plus. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Here's the question of the day, and it's for the hashtag crew. LeBron James is banged up. He's hurt in a way that feels as though, I shouldn't say feels as though, in the way that I'm being told suggests is that this ankle is going to hamper him however far the Lakers go in these playoffs. And I'm here to tell you it is my belief that if it really does hamper him, they're not going that far. I see them as a team that will get knocked out of this thing if LeBron isn't at his best. If LeBron is at his best, I believe the Lakers remain the favorite to win the entire thing, and that includes Brooklyn. But having said that, if LeBron is not at his best, then I don't think they win it. And by the time he tries to do it again next year, he'll be 37 years old and every year it's funny how it works he gets a year older Tom Brady meanwhile is 43 and just won a championship but he's not getting older and and seems to be getting younger <laughs> but the question is of these two immortals which one has more titles left again not who will wind up winning the most who wins more championships from this point forward let's go to the hashtag crew hashtag Nuno what's the answer to the question who has more titles left uh, this is tough I think that between them, they only win one, and I think it's Brady. Brady, Bucks, is it this year? No. I think he still wins. One, I think he wins one more at 45, and he walks away, and thankfully for the rest of the NFL, he's done. <laughs> That's an amazing prediction. I love the specificity of the prediction. I, I think that almost every other person would say if he's going to win one more, it would be this year. But Nuno is going in another direction. That's the beauty of Nuno. When most of the world zigs, he zags. Let me go to hashtag Bubba, who uh, has been known to ask brilliant, provocative questions in his life. He's written several books uh, on debate theory and and other things like that. Was a practicing lawyer for a long time. uh, And and so, of course, has, has that ability as well. What is the answer, Bubba? Who wins more titles the rest of the way, Brady or LeBron? I have learned to never, ever, Count out Tom Brady. So the answer is Tom Brady. I'm never betting against Tom Brady, no matter what the question is. <laughs> I, I think that's right. I, I think that's my answer, too. I, I, I have picked against him for the last time. I, I, I mean, I picked against him in the Super Bowl last year. And it. I, what can I say? He made me look like an idiot again. Devin, 
Brady or LeBron, who wins more rings from this point forward? I think Brady. I think the the gauntlet of the NBA playoffs, all the seven game series, it's going to be more of a more of a tall task for LeBron. All right, so that's three votes for Brady. Hembo, do you go the other way? Yes, I have to say LeBron. I mean, Brady is six years clear of LeBron, and we know that LeBron wants to stay in the league long enough to play with his son. That would take him to his age forty season. I just think he's going to get. He's going to get more chances, and I'm just going to bet on the math there. I mean, obviously, I think Bubba's right. You really can't bet against Tom Brady, but don't you think that at least LeBron's going to get five or six chances and Brady's only going to get, I don't know, two or three more, and just by virtue of the math, that makes more sense? Yes. Here's what I'll say about that. Mm. That LeBron James, to win a championship at 40, would have to do what the historical greats almost never do. So let's use Kobe Bryant as the example. I remember at the end of Kobe's career, I said on the air, I don't think Kobe will sign to stay in L.A. I think he will go somewhere else, whereas he has a chance to win, even if he's not the best player. And, of course, he proved me dead wrong. He signed and stayed in L.A., finished his career as a Laker, and now, in retrospect, it was 100% the right thing to do. His legacy remains, I think, more emotionally significant as a result of that. And at the end of the day, when you've won the way they've won, chasing rings doesn't really make sense. You don't mess with happy. The same can be said of Jordan. I don't think Jordan was coming back to be, you know, the third best player on a team with two young dynamic stars. So if LeBron is going to win a championship at age 40, he's not going to be the best player. I guess I'm thinking of, of championships in which LeBron James is the reason they win. Now, If he winds up on a title team, it still counts. I mean, for the purposes of this, of course, it still counts. But so if LeBron James decides to sign, I don't know, I'm just making this up. I mean, if if there's some really great team and he signs there, the way Shaq was signing with different teams at the end, you know, none of them wind up winning. But if he does, I just don't picture LeBron doing that. Like, I, I see LeBron, I believe Brady, the minute he himself believes he can't be great anymore, will retire. And I think LeBron will do the same. I know he wants to play with his son. But I don't think he wants to play with the son badly enough to go out there and be a shell of himself. You know, Mark Schlereth, I remember one time, said a fascinating thing to me. Mark Schlereth, with whom I worked forever. Mark said that he was, this is the day that he knew he was done. He was watching film of a practice. He was playing for the Broncos, and he was late in his career. And he's watching a practice, like they would film the practice. And they're also, they're not wearing uniform numbers, right? They're all just wearing grays like gray sweat suits, sweat shirts or whatever. And he's watching the film of the practice. And he's watching one guy run around out there. He said, who is that? That guy can't play at all. Like that guy is just getting worked. And then he realized, oh my God, that guy's me. And he said that day he knew he was done. And he retired at the end of the season. I don't think LeBron James ever becomes that guy. And I don't think Tom Brady ever becomes that guy. I think the day they feel they are headed towards being that guy, they hang him up. If LeBron does want to hang on another six, seven years, then you're right. Then Hembo is right, because he does just mathematically have more chances. He's younger. But short of that, I believe Brady is the answer to the question. Gronk in our next hour, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.